God, the grounds of the hearts will be full of fertile soil. I, Father, in the Spirit, I remove those raincoats. Father, in the Spirit, we open people's hearts up to your Spirit to engage with your Word, that they may meet with you this morning, that they may hear and be encouraged, that they may be built up, that they may know your hand is upon them, that you love them, that you care for them so much, that you have a future and a hope for them. And Lord God, that you are for them. And Father, we just pray this morning, open up hearts. Oh Lord God, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. What a wonderful time in the in the Lord's presence. Thank you, musicians. It's great when we open up our hearts, when we begin to engage with Him and connect with Him. Because church is not about just coming to church and uh, just singing a few songs, hearing a few somebody speak and things like that. It's actually about engaging with God and connecting with Him. You know, I don't come to church to get, I come to give. You know, the worship's not for me, it's for Him. So it's irrelevant what I think about the music, it's for Him. And I come because I want to position my heart to give of everything I've got to him because he's worth it. And uh, so we need to come expectant in our hearts rather than asking, God, I want to take, I want to take all the time. But it's fantastic because you can sense the atmosphere in here is just really wonderful. Just a bit further away. That's it. So there's a few. Is that better? Yep. <laughs> um, as you know, Clay, um, you may have been wondering why Clay speaking this morning. Um, unfortunately, Clay had a, uh, a dear friend, a very close friend, pass away. And so uh, he's had to spend a lot of time with that family and, and preparations and things like that. And I just want to say, Clay, I'm not quite sure where you are, but you know our hearts are with you. And if you can remember Clay and his family and this, this family too, that uh, a young man, I believe he's only in his 30s, that died and uh, leaving young kids and everything like that. You know, cancer's a terrible thing. I know my sister went through that as well. She lost her husband. He was only 39, leaving three small children. And it's a, it's a huge thing. And, you know, it's, we've got to fight those things in the spirit. Amen? To see people healed and delivered from those things. But our hearts are with you, Clay. And uh, it's really a very sad thing. But this morning I'm going to be speaking on Walking together. As you may have heard uh, over the last couple of months, the, the vision statement of the, of the church has changed. And it's loving God, loving others, and walking together. And this morning I want to focus on walking together. I mean, they sound very simple words, don't they? But in actual fact, they're really, really very hard to engage. I mean, when you, I mean, when you think of where we are at the moment and where we want to be, it's a huge gap. But God actually wants us together as a family, not just a few of us, but all of us as a family here, to walk together and to grow into those things. You know, Samuel's mother every year used to, grow, uh, used to knit him a coat, or not knit him a coat, but make him a cloak. Samuel was just a young boy serving in the temple. But every year he used to, she used to make one so that he'd grow into it. And every year we come, you know, and we have to grow into what God is doing. 
And it's going to be really exciting as we walk together as a community, as a people. They're just incredible words. When you meditate on them, they're incredible when you think about it. Back in the 1980s, who remembers Torval and Dean? Uh, oh, yeah, there's quite a few people that <laughs> Weren't they amazing? They came onto the scene and, and they just, they were, uh, you know, it was so unique, it was uh, uh, fresh, it was different, but the difference about them was that they danced as one person. It was, they weren't two people trying to dance together, they were like one person. And the way that they did things together was just amazing. And uh, I don't know whether you know that Michael Crawford did a lot of their choreography for them. He's a very, very talented guy. You know the guy that played Frank Spencer? <laughs> He's an amazing guy, he really is. But he did a lot of the movements for them. And they were just amazing to watch. But, I mean, sports teams are the same, aren't they? They have to move and work together as a team. Otherwise, I mean, can you imagine the All Blacks just coming together the day before they play Australia or South Africa, they haven't played you know, for months on, and suddenly they've got to you know, just play a game? Do you reckon it would work? No, because they've got to work to learn how to work as a team. But when you've got various prima donnas in, that, in the team, and the whole team relies on one or two people, but when those people get injured, what happens? The team's pretty vulnerable. You know, as a family here, we need every single person you know, God's placed us in this family for a reason. And it's so that we may work together. It's not about this person or that person or this person's ministry. It's not about that at all. It's about us coming together and all being hewned and, and, and uh, like living stones, having the rough edges shaped off and the sandpaper and all those sorts of things are all part of it, even though we don't like it sometimes. But it's there to help us join together. You know, when the church was birthed, it was an incredible scene. You know, nothing had been seen like it at all. They were oneness of heart, oneness of mind, oneness of spirit. They were moved together as a body. There was at that time no division, although that came later on. The thing is that they had one heart and they were moving all in the same direction. It was amazing to see. Generosity flowed, life flowed, all sorts of things uh, happened. It was a new hallmark and the world had never seen anything like it before. They looked at it and they thought, gosh, this has to be God. Because it was so powerful, so incredible. And the love of God flowed through them like they'd never seen before. Yet today, sadly, it's like so many churches are in disarray. There's divisions, there's hurt, there's all sorts of things. There's fragmented pieces here and there. And the world looks and thinks, well, why do I want to be part of that? And yet God never designed the church like that at all. And yet when man takes over, we certainly do have oneness. My ministry, my position, my role, my money, my career, my rights, my family, myself. My needs, my wants. Do you want me to go on? <laughs> Isn't it true? We've lost that perspective of actually there's a oneness out here amongst us and we've zeroed it right back down to here. Me and myself. As long as I'm okay, and maybe my family in that, then that's it. But actually God's family is far bigger than that. And we have to learn to walk together as one.
particularly in New Zealand, you know, we have a, a culture of an ind- quite an independent spirit. You know, it's, it's, you know, people notice it when they come here from other countries. New Zealanders are, uh, uh, you know, like that independency. And that can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing as well. Because we don't like being told what to do sometimes. We don't like to be conformed to something or someone. And yet who are we being conformed to? Who are we, uh, who are we being transformed into? Us or him? See, our hearts have to be Allow, we have to allow God to change our hearts. And in this season, the Lord is taking back his church and a huge shift is required in both our hearts and minds to partake of it. So this morning, I want to help by painting a picture. It's a very small picture, really, because the, the canvas is so huge. I don't have time to paint it all, unless you want me to speak all year. And <laughs> but it, honestly, the kingdom of God is so big. And we can only paint a small part of it and add to it as we go on. And I know Greg started painting that picture and others here as well. And it's been fantastic to see. So I'm just going to paint a small part of it. Part of it. And I'm sure some of you are saying, oh, phew. <laughs> to begin with, we have to look at what does the kingdom of God look like? Have you ever thought about that? What does the kingdom of God looks like? look like? Maybe it's a magical castle. Like Walt Disney, very magical, where everyone lives happily ever after. Maybe it's a place where we get all that we want, when we want it, and how we want it. Or maybe it's a place where we can eat all that we like, and there are no diets. Or maybe it's a place where we can have a huge screen just like this, and we can all watch the same pro- or we can all watch what we want at the same time, and it doesn't interfere with anything. And there'd be no ads. It could be a huge entertainment park for the kids or maybe it's a perfect golf course where you have the perfect swing. (laughs) Or money and accommodation would be free. We wouldn't have to work. There'd be no pollution, so that would keep the greens happy. And dogs wouldn't leave their little messes on the pavement. Is that your form of what the kingdom is like? (laughs) Sometimes we have very warped sort of pictures of what the kingdom of God is really like. And, uh, but years ago, my perspective was all over the show as well. I thought it was some kingdom, like a magical thing, some way out there, some distance away, that one day when we die, we'd go to, and it'd be just a ball. But when I began to have my eyes opened, I began to realize that the kingdom of God is actually a lot closer than what I thought. It says here in Luke 17, It says, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. This is Jesus speaking. Does not come by observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Oh dear. (laughs) That's a big change. See, my concept was very worldly. It was external and common among believers. Where it always says that somewhere, somewhere out there, but it was very external but the kingdom of god is actually very internal it's in here the kingdom of god is not a place or a destination the kingdom of god is within you it's a place where the king rules and have and has dominion does the king actually have dominion in your life rulership I have to ask myself that question a number of times. Does the Lord, I know I've got saved, but does he still have lordship over my life? 
Sometimes we have to look at that. You know, when each of us are functioning in the kingdom mentality, we become the most incredible community of people to walk this earth. And that's not some idle notion. It's not some faraway dream. That's God's reality for us. To walk together as a family. Amen? Do you want that? Do you want to walk together as a group of people? That's what, that's what I want. Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom and what it was like. In Matthew 13, he speaks a lot about it. But just in verse 45, it says, Jesus told this parable. And again, the kingdom of God is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, whom, whom he found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had so that he could buy this one pearl. You see, there's something about the kingdom. When you begin to taste it, when you begin to see what God is doing, and when you begin to interact with him more than anything else, suddenly a lot of other stuff seems irrelevant. What used to be important isn't so important anymore because suddenly your priorities change. Suddenly there's a hunger in here because, oh God, I want more of you. And I'm prepared to let go of this to engage with you more. That's what a kingdom mentality is like. But the kingdom of God doesn't come by sitting back and observing. It doesn't come back by just sitting back. You've got to actually enter it. You see, you have to see it through the eyes of Revelation so that you can catch and understand one who more of sorry, so that you can catch more of who he is. And secondly, more of who you are in him. And thirdly, so that you're able to enter into the process so that you can learn to activate and possess the inheritance that God has for you. But it all starts off with him. You can't get the order around the other way. It's him. Because when you engage with him, you begin to see who you are. It changes everything. But it's not for the anointed few. It's not for this person or that person. It's for everyone. It's not about prima donna. It's a prima donna mentality. But we're a community that needs to walk together. We're not like robots either. We're not like North Korea that when we saw, hey, everybody cry, you cry or you weep. You put on a big show. Or when I told, tell you to jump, you jump. I mean, that's what they do over there. And they live under that fear because they've got to do what they're told. That's not how the kingdom operates. It's a loving environment where we come together and we work together and we walk with one heart, with one mind, with one purpose. Allowing God to change our hearts in love. It's a community where we're filled with love and it's such a community that people are drawn to it because they know it's a safe place. It's not a dictatorship. Well, actually, we come under his rulership. <laughs> It's not, a, it's not a dictatorship, but it's not a, what do you call it, democracy either. It's a theocracy. It's different again. So we have to ask us a question, what does it look like? Well, we have to understand that we have a new culture. Did you know that? We have a new culture. It's great that we're all from different parts, of different countries and different cultures all around the globe. And I work in a, in a place at work in an international part of, the, of a bank and why I work with so many different people from so many different places. And I love that environment. You hear the different languages going off. And you talk to them about this and that. And You know, it's great. I love that sort of environment. Because we're so diverse. And it's, that's what God wants when he joins us together. 
Because we are diverse. We have so many different giftings here. But we need to be knitted together for it to work properly. But the thing is, it's rich and diverse, but we have a kingdom culture that we need to come into that's different from the world. It's not about the culture that I just have. It's about letting go of some of it. And actually, we've got a kingdom culture which is far greater and it's filled with love. And it's part of your new identity. Did you know that? You have an identity. The children of Israel is, in a, great, is a great example of people who lost its true identity and lived under bondage of slavery in Egypt. And when God delivered them through the hands of Moses, they came out as a ragged bunch of individuals, a ragged group of people, all doing their own thing. They were so caught up in themselves, complaining and moaning all the time, that they consequently missed the one opportunity that they had to go into the promised land. They could have, when they came out, they could have walked straight in. But they were all over the show. And they missed it. They missed their inheritance because their hearts were not engaged with him. They were individuals doing their own thing and they still lived with a slave mentality which permeated everything around them. Unfortunately, the church lives like that today. There is so much slave mentality. We've left, we've been born again, but we hold a lot of things on. So, and we've got to let them go. We've got to deal with them. In order for them as a people to enter into their inheritance, they needed internal shifts so that they could not just become a group of people, but become a nation of God. That's what God's asking us to become, a nation. It's not just here, us and here. It's about people all over the world walking in oneness. We're just one of the families, but we're a family unit. The church is no different. We've, become, we've come through the, the uh, deliverance of slavery and death through, to the death, sorry, through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's been born again. But there's so much more than that where there's so much more to enter into our inheritance and to enjoy it. I mean, did God lead the children of Israel out of Egypt just to dump them in the desert and that be it? No, he didn't. He actually had so much more for them to enjoy and for us to walk into. You know, there are some very fortunate uh, uh, children around the world. There's not, I suppose, not too many of them, but there's some very fortunate ones that even at a young age, they've got, you know, three or four, five million dollars stuck away in a trust for them so that when they get to a certain age, they can receive that and, and do what they're meant to do with it. But would you give five, or five million dollars to a five-year-old? It would be wasted, wouldn't it? But there is a process that that young child goes through to enter into maturity before they can receive that inheritance. I mean, how many would get to that point and then not receive it or not take it? Would you? I know I wouldn't. If $5 million was going on offer, why not? <laughs> prince William. Now, he's a prince, but his destiny one day is to be king. And one day he will inherit castles and mansions all over the place. He will inherit valuable pieces of arts, artwork that they've got in the palaces. He'll, in, he'll inherit jewels, the crown jewels and so forth, that are priceless. He will inherit all sorts of responsibilities. He will inherit all sorts of different things. And we can step back and say, wow. But at the moment, he's not ready to be king. He's got to go through the process 
of becoming king. So that process is so important for us as a body to walk through. Don't you agree? Because sometimes we're not ready to receive what God has for us. So often, as I said last Sunday night, so often we want God just to click his fingers and we'd be there. Bang! But in actual fact, God wants to work on our character. He wants to change our hearts. He wants to forge and shape us into the person he designed us to be. And yet we want to skip it out. Yet God has a reason why he brought you here. And that's to work on your character. To help you to be forged together so that we can fit together. So that we can be a community set apart for himself. You see, God just doesn't see individuals here and there. He sees communities. He saw even with Abraham, what did he see? He saw nations. He saw people that, um, you know, you couldn't even count them because they were as numerous as the sand, uh, pieces of sand on the seashore. Or the stars in the sky. God always sees much bigger than we do. We sort of narrow our thing down here. But when we get heavenly perspective, things change. And we need to get a heavenly perspective on us as a body working together. See, the children of Israel were not ready to take hold of the promised land. Their mindsets were worldly, they were carnal. Their hearts were always going astray. They were stubborn in regards to change. They demanded the best but gave little. They complained constantly and frequently rebelled against what God was doing. They were easily led astray when unsupervised like children. They wandered off and got into trouble. They worshipped idols and allowed their past experiences like fear to dictate to them their actions and reactions. They had known the works of God. They had witnessed the miracles for themselves. Their, you know, God's provision and protection and all those different things. But they never knew him. Do you think they were ready to take the promised land, their inheritance? Sometimes we have to ask ourselves, do you think we're ready? Am I ready? And sometimes I look at myself. You know, after I wrote all that down, I looked at myself and thought, oh dear, what about my heart attitudes? What about my thoughts? What about any idols in my life? How often do I wander away and have to call God to rescue me again? How well do I really know him? See, we have to ask ourselves these questions because I don't want to stay in that place. I want to walk with everybody helping each other, walking in the same direction of getting to know God and getting allowing God to work in our hearts. Amen? Are we ready as a community? You know, it took 40 years and a new generation to walk together into the promised land. And even then they had to take possession of it. It wasn't handed to them on a plate. But huge changes had taken place within them. So now they were different. I, you know, I pray it doesn't take 40 years for us. <laughs> but man, I know God can do some amazing things in a very short time. As long as our hearts are aligned with him, he can work in us. Why do we have to wait for another generation to do it? Why can't we rise up so that we leave something for the generation to follow? Amen? They left Egypt as a rebel, but by the time they came into the promised land to take hold of their inheritance, they'd become a strong nation. Yet still they had the diversities within their tribes. You see, they were a strong nation, but they had the 12 tribes, and each of them were quite different. 
And you know, it doesn't rob you of your diversity. It doesn't rob you of your gifting. It doesn't rob you of how different you are. It's just how we fit together. And sometimes we have to lose things to in order to fit things together. Amen? But they were diverse. They had their different cultures. They had their different flavors. And it's great when we like that. That's the body of Christ. You know, yet they stored their diversity as tribes. They were God-focused all the time. In the same, they were going in the same direction with order and precision. There was a new joy and anticipation in the camp to see what God would do through them now. Their hearts were aligned with his purposes and they knew they could trust him because they knew he had them in their heart. Do you know God's got you in his heart? He's got us as a community in his heart. Wow. Doesn't that change things? God wants the best for us, but to do that we have to undergo heart surgery. And our minds and our hearts have to be renewed in certain areas so that we may walk together as one. Let's very quickly turn to the children of Israel and pick it up in Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. They've been through the promised land and they're about to go into the new Sorry, they hadn't been in the promised land. They'd been in the wilderness for 40 years and God had to rough, take off those rough edges and then they camped just outside the promised land. It says, Joshua chapter 3 verse 1, says, Then Joshua rose up early in the morning and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan and he and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they, all, before they crossed over. And so it was that after three days that the officers all went through the camp And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet it shall be be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know by which way you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. You know, Acacia Grove was where they camped. You know what that's about? Acacia Grove, the acacia tree, was a very thorny sort of bush. And here they were camped in a place that was thorny. You see, change is very uncomfortable. And when we go into transition time, it's a time when we feel vulnerable. It's a time where we feel uncomfortable. It's a time when things don't seem to sit right. And yet it's God actually working within us. And we have to allow him to be able to work in us and even us, for us to walk through those times and those seasons of un, being uncomfortable. But they had to go through it. It said that the whole camp, all of them camped there. Not some of them. Some of them could have stayed in much nicer hotels, I suppose, in a town near or something like that. But they didn't. They all camped as one in the one place. We have to learn to walk together even when it's uncomfortable. <coughs> Excuse me. And there they were told they had to leave the old ways behind. They had to sanctify them themselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. The Lord wants to do great wonders among you. Have you got that anticipation in your heart? Because what God wants to do but for him to enable him to do that, we've got to make sure our hearts align with him. And that means change in here. 
There was a preparation that took place in their hearts before they entered. And when they left Egypt, they opened. They, this is something Nairi was sharing with uh, Sandra. When they went to leave Egypt, what did they do? They, and Moses uh, put the, um, the stick down into the water. God parted the waters. But this time when they were to cross over, they had to actually step out into the water. You see, we need to step out too. We need to step out into what God is doing. We need to step out with confidence that he's not going to let us go, he's not going to drop us, but he wants us to step out so that he can do something and part the way before us. Are we ready to step out? So what are some of the areas that we need to work on as a community in order for us to walk together? Have you ever thought about that? Well, there's a lot, but I just want to cover just a few. Number one is this. We all need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's non-negotiable. We all need the Holy Spirit. I talk to some, uh, some Christians and I think, oh, well, I don't really need that. I come to church and things like that. But I said to this person, you actually need the Holy Spirit because otherwise you end up doing everything in your own strength instead of his empowerment. And for us all as a community, we need the Holy Spirit to work together. So we can't change ourselves, but we can position ourselves to allow God to work within us. You know, Jesus told the disciples to wait for him in Jerusalem, to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. But they just didn't go there and just hang out. They just didn't go to a bar or all like this and just waste and waste and wait. When's God to turn up? Did they? They actually went to Jerusalem with anticipation that God was going to do something. And so what they did was they had a oneness about them. They sought God. They prayed. I imagine they may have fasted even. But they got down on their knees and as a community, as a group of people, there was about a hundred and something or other of them, they got down and they prayed with everything they had. They prepared their hearts for change. Let's just very quickly pick it up. Just a couple of verses in Acts chapter 1, verse 12. It says here, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount of, uh, called Olivet, which is near Jeru- Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. And they give a list of names there. In verse 14 they said, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication and the woman, uh, with the woman Mary and the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. They all returned. That word all, just three letters in it, just a small little word. But they all returned. Isn't that interesting? All, not one. They could have negotiated that word. They could have said, well, it's actually a much better place in in Joppa or somewhere else. But they didn't. They obeyed what God was doing, what God had said. You see, we can have our opinions, but we've got to drop some of those and allow God, what God says we need to do. We need to walk in it so we can position ourselves. The amazing thing was that in this time of change, when they went there, they prepared themselves and they had a oneness about them, right? Now, this was even before the Holy Spirit was being outpoured. We, we tend to think, oh, yes, they had the oneness afterwards. You know, when the Holy Spirit came down upon them and bang, they all had oneness. But it says right here that they all moved together. 
They all prayed and fasted. They all actually went into it. It says they entered the room, the upper room. They had to enter. They couldn't sit back. Because if you sit back, you won't be able to partake of what God is doing. You'll be able to see different things, but you'll never experience it for yourselves. As I said last Sunday night, I said, um, you know, I know all about the Christchurch earthquake. I've heard and read all about the facts in that, but I've never experienced it like those people. There's a difference. And if we sit back, we'll only observe from a dis- distance. But God wants us all to enter into it. Amen? They went up to an upper room. You know, it's interesting, is they went up to a new level, basically. So we have to ask ourselves as a community, what will it take for us to go up to another level in God? What will it take? What do I have to let go? Enable for me to enter into something more in my heart. We're not asking you to do a whole lot of more tasks. We're asking about your heart position, going up another level. It says they all continued with one accord. You know that one accord means symphony. That's where you get the word symphony from. An orchestra is incredible. That's, um, I've done a lot of orchestral playing in, in my past. And when you have different instruments in there and they play together in harmony, it's fantastic. Now you have a conductor, but you have a lot of string players and you have a lot of string players to make the sound that you want, the richness and the warmth of that sound. And then you have a few, you know, you have an, a couple of oboes and a couple of clarinets. You have bassoons. You know, you have the brass that, you know, declares certain sounds. You have the timpani. You have all sorts of things there. But they could play individually. But in an orchestra, when they play, it's beautiful. They don't always play all at once. But when they play, they bring out certain sounds, flows in and flows out. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of. And when the melodies swap over and, and you hear it bounce over to there and bounce over there, it's a beautiful thing. And that's what the body of Christ is like. It's diverse in its richness. And this one will come out and then that one come out and the fragrance of this and the sound of that. And you know, it's beautiful. And sometimes we think, oh, we're all doing the same thing. Well, there was a lot of violins and, and cellos and violas in there. But you need a lot of them to make the warmth of that sound. So never think your job is dull and everybody's doing the same thing. You actually need it. It's vital. Amen? It's a beautiful thing to be a part of. Note they were all there with one accord. And it happened well before the Holy Spirit was poured out. They had an anticipation to seek God because they knew God was going to do something powerful. And God is going to do something powerful in this place. I know it in my spirit. And the words that have been spoken over this place, over the, uh, particularly over the last couple of years, are just dynamic. But we have to enter those words. When we pray as a community, it does something within our hearts. It joins us together. You know, there's something special about when we pray because we get to know each other's hearts. In some ways, that's how I got to know my wife, was by praying with her on a regular basis. And we got to know each other's hearts. You know, and we still pray together, not all the time, but we do pray. And that's how we, I, I sense what she's going through. I know what's in her heart. I know her passions. I know what's on the burden of, you know, burdening her. So we're able to pray it through. And imagine what it's like if we had that oneness in here of praying together. 
of capturing what God is doing and understanding it and praying it. And somebody's got a burden for this and somebody's got a burden for that. And we got get around them and we pray and we capture the hearts as well. What a place it would be. I want you to picture this. This is what I capture in my spirit. You imagine a prayer meeting in here at 9 o'clock and it's filled with people praying and seeking God and worshipping. And it just doesn't stop. So when people, and we're worshipping that, as people come in, the atmosphere is just filled with his presence. Could you imagine that? Could you see that? But it needs everybody to do it. Every person can pray. Maybe you don't know quite how to do it. But we can learn and we can grow together. I didn't know how to pray once either. But we can learn, amen? But boy, what a difference. What a different dynamic this place would be. See, prayer is so powerful as a community. It unites our hearts together and keeps us focused on what God is doing. Prayer also builds spiritual muscle. It strengthens us as a people. You know, that's what it does. It builds you stronger. It makes you pillars in this house because you're strengthened from the inside out. Suddenly you're able to pray and declare and decree what God is doing because you're captured in here and your eyes begin to open. Prayer also draws us closer to God more than anything else. We can't, you know, that's the most important part is our connection with Him. By the time the day of Pentecost arrived, they were again all with one accord in one place, and their hearts were all ready to transition up to even a newer level. We want the whole community to come on this journey. As just the US Marines said, you know, we want to leave no man behind, right? We want to leave no man behind. We want to help each other. No matter how weak or inadequate you feel, God's placed you here to be able to go on that journey. The weak and the strong build together so that we all become strong. I said that place doesn't mean a building or a location, but for us it's a heart position. We're all in one place, poised and positioned for God to move. It's a time of preparation in this place. Praying and fasting, repentance, allowing God to have the freedom to work in our hearts when we realize we can't do it ourselves. We can't do it in our own physical strength. It has to be God. It has to be God. Otherwise we'll just build another program. We don't want that. We want God's freedom here working and moving in us. And sometimes we come to that point. I love that thing of what Greg was saying. It's blindness, brokenness, repentance and revelation. We need him you know I, I love that I just watched a film fairly recently and it was called um, it was called uh, um, what was it uh, When Love Is Not Enough a guy that actually started the AA he was desperate he was desperate he'd spent 20 years or more on the bottle and his wife had stuck to him was stuck with him all through those years and she was desperate and it came to a point when he was basically dying of, of um, you know, poisoning within him. And anyway, he walked out on his wife. He was so angry. I don't need God. I don't need this. I'm, not, I'm okay. I don't need that. But he got to the hospital and he got into his room. Uh, he, he put his phone in. The wife had to sell her. last thing that she had left was her wedding ring. And she had to sell it to pay for his hospital thing. They had nothing left. They'd lost everything. And yet when he's in the hospital, he said he cried out to God. There was nowhere else for him to go. 
Suddenly he said the, the whole room filled with light and God lifted off all the burdens and everything from him. From that point he didn't touch another drop. He was set free. His face was different, everything. He got to the point where he realized he needed God. And God formed. It's an incredible story if you want to. It's in the DVD shops now. So it's when love is not enough. Well, there's another area that I would just want to briefly talk about. But it's one that we all have to face. You know what it is? Walking in the light. Well, that woke some of you up anyway. Walking in the light. <laughs> It's true, isn't it? 1 John, 7, uh, 1 John 1 verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have... We have what? I didn't quite hear you. We have fellowship with who? With one another. Oh. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. With one another. And the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We're all great, myself included, about living in shaded areas. Have you ever thought about that? Shaded areas. Shade is somewhere between light and darkness. It's a mixture or it can, be placed, it can be a place where light is blocked out altogether. A place of coolness or shelter from the heat. You know, shadows are caused by the interception of light. Shadows are caused by the interception of light. Isn't that interesting? I wonder what's trying to intercept the clear, uncomplicated flow of light in and through our lives. Light travels in straight lines. Have you ever thought about that? Light travels in straight lines, without folds. In essence, it's simple, it's straightforward, it's uncomplicated and reveals all. Light. All hidden, covered secrets, double-mindedness, pretense, all those things are shadows in our lives. We have to let them go if we're going to walk as a community. We can't hold on to things because the one thing that destroys communities are what? Offences. All sorts of things. Or things that we hide in our hearts against someone. Unforgiveness. All sorts of things like that. And we need to be able to address those areas. It says this. Second Corinthians 4, 2a says, But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handing the word of God deceitfully. See, we've all got areas in our lives that can sometimes cloud our thinking or our attitudes or prejudices or judgments. We can make all sorts of things about a certain person by the way we feel about that person. And we can end up building barriers rather than bridges. We need to be able to let those go. Offences are one of the biggest things that take a lot of people out. It's huge in the church. It's huge. I remember years ago um, when uh, I was in this church and I noticed that this person uh, that I uh, used to talk to on a fairly regular basis, she was quite cold and distant after a while. And I, over a period of months, she got worse and worse and worse. And you know, you'd walk into her room and she'd walk out. And you'd think, there's something not right there. So I remembered, remember going to um, see her and her husband and I was just talking with them. And, this, and I said, you know, I just really sense there's something happened. I can sense it there. And apparently what had happened was 
she had had an argument with one of our friends at our place in an evening that we didn't even know about. And she thought that that friend would talk to us about it so we would have something against her. We didn't even know it existed. And yet she'd stewed on it for over a month. You know, offences are so stupid at times and they can be over the smallest little things. We don't want to get that like that. As a community, we've got to learn to let go of them because they end up destroying and splitting uh, churches like anything. But, you know, can we allow someone to speak into our lives even? That's a big one. Can we allow someone to speak into our lives? Because, you know, as a, as a people, we've got to allow God to speak into us. And sometimes, you know, some other people have to be able to address things in your life too. Sometimes we don't like it. But, you know, God wants to help us with that. We have to let it go. Otherwise, if we keep, you know, protecting or taking a stand or a position on a certain thing, it's actually like an idol in our lives. I'm right, they're wrong. And you become very hard in your heart. Sometimes we have to let it go. And you know, people have spoken to my lives heaps over the, over the time. Boy, there are some things I didn't even realise were there. All the things I said, I didn't realise it hit such and such or did that. You know? But I'm glad they spoke into my life because it made me aware of what I didn't know and then I had to adjust and change. It wasn't always comfortable though. But it's necessary us as a body. I know it's not easy but we need to be able to help each other. And that reason God is forging us as a people together. He's not building a whole lot of silos. Are you a silo? God wants to remove those silos so that we become a people. But Christians like silos. They like their little wee area. But God wants us to break those down because we've got to be able to join together as a people. It's not how we feel. It's not based on our natural eyes, it's based on what he is doing. As I said earlier, our private little worlds, uh, you and I together, were des designed for maximum impact. We can't do that in our own private little worlds. You and I were designed to fit together, to be a people for maximum impact. So we have to learn to build bridges, not barriers. So often we know... Uh, so often when we don't know a person, we can form an opinion about them by what we see on the outside. That's so easy to do. And Sandra and I were just talking about this the other day and we were talking about Kim Walker, you know, the, the singer? That. You know, when we didn't know him, when we first heard her, we thought, oh, you know, she wasn't the sort of voice that we'd warm to. But, you know, when we went from, to Manifest Conference and we heard her sing and we heard her speak and we heard her story and we heard, you know, her heart and everything like that, suddenly now when we listen to the music, guess what? We hear her heart. It's totally different because now we knew her. But, you know, sometimes we can make judgments of people around us. We can look at somebody and say, well, you know, Kirk's a, a surfer. You know, if, if I didn't really know him, he's a surfer, you know. What are surfers like? Well, they could be a little bit hippie sort of thing. They could be a little bit free-flowing, going undisciplined. They could be like this, you know. So I could be all smiles here and things like that, but my mind is thinking, he's a surfer. So, you know, <laughs> now there's nothing wrong with surfing. It, it could have been better if it was cricket. <laughs> but the thing is, you see how I can filter him? 
I could filter him with my eyes and I could have a conversation with him, but I'm always seeing him through. He's a surfer. So my wrong thoughts about surfers up here is judging him. And so I've got this barrier there. And yet God wants us to take those barriers down. You know, when I get to know Kirk, you know, when I got to know Kirk and things like that, boy, you hear his heart. You know what he's like. You know his passions, his desires. You know his hunger for God. You know, you get to know a person and suddenly it's different because I know him. We've got to get to know each other. Otherwise, we'll always judge this one and that one by how we feel and how we see exterior. God's breaking that down so that we can love and walk together as a community. Can you take that? I know it's pretty hard sometimes, but we need to do that. Amen? It's easy with words, but we've got to do it in here. Can you, be, can you imagine this? Can you imagine what it would be like if we saw each other through God's eyes? How different would this place be? How different would the world be? Imagine what it would be like to be able to see out right now the people around you, how God sees them. Wow. What a different view we'd have. Totally different. In the early days of the church, the people were from all over the nations. They were from different places here and there, right? But they came together as one people. Most of them didn't even know each other. But they came from nations from all around the world. And when God moved by his Holy Spirit, suddenly they were, they were fellowshipping with each other in each other's homes. They were you know, giving of this and generosity was here. They were praying for this one and praying for that one. They were sharing the word. They were breaking bread. And they didn't even know each other. But boy, the community looked in and saw such an incredible thing. They saw each other through renewed eyes. So it's not about a new set of rules and regulations. Hey, if we become a group of people, we're going to have this rule, one, two, three, four, five, six, and we've all got to stick to it. No, it's not about that. I mean, look, the Pharisee, a lawyer, went to Jesus and asked him this question in Matthew chapter 22. He said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love your neighbor, sorry, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first great commandment. Oh, great, that's fine, that's easy. He could have walked off. And Jesus would have said, But wait, there's more. He said, And the second is like it, is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Wow. You mean I've got to love everybody? Now, we don't have to like everybody. I mean, we don't always like everybody. The fact is we do need to love each other and love it with the same passion that we love God. What an incredible group of people we have here in this church. Amen? When we look around and see every person here, what an incredible group of people we have. Amen? We look at who, I mean, we are so rich and with talents and with so much, with so giftings, and a lot of it has not even been uncovered yet. But as we grow as a community, suddenly it's like a bloom that comes out and suddenly flowers on a plant that you've never seen flower before and you think, wow, I never saw how beautiful that was. And it's like so many of you here in this place waiting to be discovered and seen, but that's brought out as we walk together in love. It's key, and I want to finish with this, and the key, as Greg said last Sunday, 
is for everyone, sorry, if the key for everything in our lives is the same thing, blindness. When we realize we're all blind and we need spiritual, our spiritual eyes opened. We're all blind. We need our eyes open in the spirit. Brokenness. Coming to that place when we realize we need God, that we can't change ourselves. We need God. Amen? And then repentance. Turning away in a different direction. Asking God to forgive us, but also turning away and going in the direction that God wants us to go in. And then having the revelation, being able to see from a new perspective and walking in the light of that truth. Amen? And there's just, just these areas are just so important for us to grow together. So let's make it a year when we learn to walk together. Amen? Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you are joining us together as a community. Even though we are so diverse in so many different ways, each of us is so important, so important in that. And Father God, I just pray right now, I just pray that there would be a oneness of heart within each of us. I pray, Lord God, that you'd begin to capture our spirits, that we'd learn to let go of things, learn to let go of any unforgiveness, learn to let go of any offences, and say, Lord, I want you to speak into my heart and life that we may walk together as a community. And Father, we need you more than anything. We need your presence to be able to do it. We can't do it on our own. Father, may this year be a different year where you form and shape our hearts into the people you designed us to be. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Just take a seat, just very quickly. Just one thing I just wanted to share with you, and that is, you know, uh, there's a group of us working on uh, a training program for this year as well. And I'm really excited about it too. So maybe you're feeling a little bit inadequate. Maybe you're feeling, well, I don't really know what we can do, or I've never done this before. I don't know how to pray, or I don't know how to read the word or anything like that. You know, this gives us an opportunity, not just a few of us, it gives us a whole opportunity as a body to walk together and to learn as a body to be able to do that. Man, wouldn't that be exciting to work together? And those that may have a bit more understanding of it can be standing alongside those that don't so that we grow together. This is not just for the young people. This is for every single age group. No matter where you are in your walk with God, it's going to be fantastic. And lastly, I must also mention, Johnny is speaking tonight. So it's going to be fantastic. Johnny is going to be here tonight. So make sure you come out tonight and enjoy it.